Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number eight of Grim Scenarios, hosted by myself, I'm Milk, and my co-host, who's always here with me, Emma, how are you? Hello, Milk. How is it going this fine Wednesday morning? Uh, it's a lovely Wednesday morning. As you can hear, my voice is recovering a little bit. I've been a little under the weather, but now I am ready for some grim scenarios. Uh, you know, uh, when we were talking about what we were going to do today, Emma, one of the things that we discussed was the possibility of talking about the drunk or the gambler or possibly the magician. And that is a terrible segue. Yeah, and then we decided to do none of those things, but to remind you both magicians, gamblers, and folks, a Las Vegas clock tower. That's right. Emma and I will both be there. We will be doing a live recording of Grim Scenarios on Not a Wednesday for the first time ever. It's going to be fun. This will be the weekend of Friday the 27th through Sunday the 29th of October. With some early access stuff, you get in early on the 26th and pay for the bonus stuff. Mm -hmm. um, some people, the degenerates among us, will be hanging around on the 30th, at least for most of the day, to play more games after the convention ends, because we're sickos. That's right. And then you can go home and get really drunk for Halloween on the 31st. So it's a pretty good deal. A perfect weekend for everyone. <laughs> uh, don't drink and drive if you're underage or overage. But don't drink if you're underage. That's right. We do not... We <laughs> Grim Scenarios, a Blood on the Clock Tower strategy podcast, does not encourage underage drinking. Grim Scenarios... Or overage drunk driving. <laughs> a Grim Scenarios, a Blood on the Clock Tower strategy podcast, does not encourage drunk driving of any kind. Uh, and that's your PSA for today, folks. So... Anyway, we the, this, this talk of drinking and the drunk is, of course, a segue back into what we decided to actually do this week, which is revisit Trouble... Brewing. The best script! It is the best script. It's perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Anyway, um, we're going to revisit some more characters here on Trouble Brewing that we didn't catch on the first pass around. Which makes sense, because in the first pass around, we both chose Imp as an evil character. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot, even more characters missing Trouble Brewing than normal. Uh, but we're going to start off by, as you can see, if you're watching the video version of this, Milk has the monk token, and he is sat in seat number 10, between seats number 9 and 11, if you math efficient. All right, so just to set the scene, it is night. Time on night two. Night two. And the reason it's night time on night two is, of course, that's the first time the monk acts. But you can't really be acting blind, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you know is going on. So yesterday, seat six, you did talk to, nominated seat four, and was immediately executed and died. Ooh, nominated seat four and was immediately executed and died. That means that seat four is the virgin, everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, seat six was claiming to be the librarian they talked to you, confirming, of course, the buck, because... Who loves anything more than a confirmed butler, the best character in the bottom of the clock tower? Oh, good. Uh, they didn't tell you who was on, and that's a problem for you, because you've been talking to seat 3 and seat 9, who have both sworn to you that they are the butler who picked you. 
They're both the butler who picked me. Glorious. Well, yeah. let's go ahead and put two butlers on the grim. That's definitely true. All right. In addition to seat three, nine, and six, you've talked to seat twelve, who claimed empath zero, and seat seven, who claimed empath one. <laughs> oh, great, great. That's great. That's fantastic. And then, of course, the only other nomination that happened was on seat five. Hmm. Uh, seat five was nominated after doing, because someone said they've been up to something nonsensical, and seat five said, I am the soldier. Nonsense is my line of work. And that is, as far as you know it, the Grim. Just going to mark that player as our friend Jules. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so there we are. That's what you know. You know that seat six is claimed to be the librarian. And it's probably telling the truth because they blew up on our virgin. Seat nine and seat three are both claiming to be a butler, which is, of course, what the librarian has claimed to have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, seats <clears throat> seven and twelve are both claiming to be empaths with different numbers, a zero and twelve and a one on seven. And seat five is up to shenanigans in claiming soldier. Indeed. So here we are in the night. And Milk, my friend, you wanted to play the monk. I designed this scenario for the monk. So let me ask you, why monk? What is the monk to do here? So let's read the monk's ability really quick, everybody, just so that we all are on the same page. The monk's ability reads, each night, not including the first, choose a player, not yourself. They are safe from the demon tonight. Now, the monk's ability is, at first glance, exceptionally powerful. It prevents the demon from killing in Trouble Brewing or impacting, in other scripts, a player on the Grim. We're just going to stick with the Trouble Brewing stuff for now. Monk can be very powerful elsewhere um, because it can mitigate demon effects. But on Trouble Brewing, the monk prevents death by imp, specifically. I famously consider the monk to be a middling character. Some people think that the ability to prevent a death is exceptionally powerful. I think playing can I pick who the demon is going to pick at night might be a little gambly, a little difficult to actually pull off. We often see monks in games of trouble brewing that never protect anyone. And so I often simply out as the monk because why not? If the demon kills me, that's great. That's an extra night of information that all the information roles that are ongoing information get. And if the demon doesn't kill me, I still get to play the monk game and try to prevent someone from dying. And to, of course, talk with the monk game, but, but the last time I saw a monk successfully save someone, it was an imp who was trying to do a night two star pass. Mm -hmm. And it was really counterproductive for the good team because a lot of us said, this person's probably good because the demon tried to kill them night two. Yep. <laughs> So, <laughs> Monk is a complicated role, um, in the sense that the protections are sometimes not believed. Sometimes you protect someone at night, and everybody goes, oh, well, you're just the demon bluffing, protecting someone at night, let's kill you. Uh, you know, Monk who survives till late in the game, you know, might just be the drunk. You know, there's a lot of issues. But, 
on this specific Grim that Emma has provided for us, we have a clear and obvious target for our ability. Because we know a good player that the evil team wants to kill, and assuming that the evil team doesn't know who we are, we can keep that player alive late into the game. So, with that in mind, who should we monk protect here? We know that the librarian, if that's what they are, they could be the spy, but we know that the librarian uh, has seen a butler, so we could protect a butler, right, if we knew where that butler was, but we don't, and we have two claims of butler, so that's not going to work. We have someone claiming to be the soldier. Now, they could be a powerful townsfolk role that gets information, who's just claiming to be the soldier so that they can live a little bit longer. Could be the Undertaker, for example. But, again, we don't know. Maybe they're just the soldier double bluffing. We have two claims of empath. We're certainly not protecting either of those because we don't know what they're doing. Which leaves us with the confirmed good player in the Virgin. Now, Virgins make a great monk protect because you know you're protecting a good player. Because you know that's a player that the evil team wants to kill at some point in the game. So the chance of you actually protecting someone at some point in the game is quite high if you protect the Virgin. There is a downside to protecting the Virgin. And that downside is you're trading a confirmed good player for what might generate more information. Because the Virgin has ultimately generated all of the information that they're going to generate for the game. They're probably going to get a whole bunch of people's claims, but they were going to get those anyway, so it doesn't really matter you know, if they're alive or dead when that happens. So protecting the Virgin is a good idea if that protection uh, can't go better somewhere else, if you don't have a better, clear protection to give. So probably on night two here, we're going to look at this Grim and go, maybe the player in seat five is the fortune teller who's bluffing soldier. Maybe they're the undertaker who's bluffing soldier. But we know for sure seat four is a good player. So we're going to protect the player in seat four, which is the virgin. All right. So you're going to take the option of protecting the player you know is good here over the speculation of protecting the player who might be the game information. Now, I fully agree with but I'm a notorious hater of information. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, if the player in seat five is making this gamble, that means they're willing to take the risk that they that the evil team reads that as a as a powerful townsfolk role and just shoots into it, right? I think evil's got other places that they might want to kill first, so I'm willing to take the risk that that seat five player doesn't get hit tonight. Other piece of this puzzle is, if I don't protect the confirmed good player, I look pretty suspicious. So it really benefits me to protect the good player in more than one way. So we're going to protect the virgin for sure. All right, you protect the virgin. And when you wake up, seat five is dead, and they say, milk is the demon. Oh, the raven keeper. They say, I'm not the Ravenkeeper, but you're the demon. Okay, I guess I'm going to need to talk to that player. Okay, you go talk to C5. 
They go, it's too late, man. I already caught you. I know you're the demon. Why do you think I... I checked you in seat 11, and I got a yes, and then you murdered me. I bet you had a spy. Fortune teller. Yeah. That that read was pretty good, actually, that the fortune teller was bluffing soldier. <laughs> it was a pretty good read that the fortune teller was bluffing soldier. And not only did you fail to save them, they now think you're evil. I mean, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. It doesn't matter if they think I'm evil or not. Well, let's talk about what do you what do you do as a good player who another good player has decided is evil? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, sorry, let me just get this fortune teller night one on here. Um, so the first thing is you can tell them your role uh, to start off with. You can say, look, uh, I might make a good red herring if they're a fortune teller. But more broadly, if a good player thinks you're a good player, you need to go have a conversation with them. And try to talk it through them. And if they're going to stick to their guns and say, look, I just think you're evil, then let them push on you, right? They don't have to convince you. You don't have to convince them. They have to convince town. And if a fortune teller wants to come out with their information and say that it's me, there's not a whole lot I'm going to be able to do to prevent them from doing that, right? If I try to make them, uh, if I try to convince them not to share their information, I look suspicious. I don't particularly want to look suspicious. Right now, maybe I do. I don't know. But if I try to convince them not to share their information, that's gonna—that's not gonna benefit town. That's not gonna help. Um, I can push on seat eleven, but I think almost certainly it's likely that the storyteller made the monk the fortune teller red herring, and then the monk died on night one after picking the red herring. This is a perfectly reasonable thing that happens in TB all the time. You know, ultimately, ultimately, it's not the player in seat five I have to convince. Uh, they're not going to waste their dead vote on this unless the rest of town votes. So it's the rest of town I have to convince. And the next person I probably should try to talk to is the player in seat four. Well, seat four is popular, so we go to back to town. They're not there. Unlikely to get a chance to talk to them. So I just will have to. In go town on. are the two empaths, 12 and 7, the two butlers, 3 and 9, and seat six, the librarian. All of them you've already talked to, but they're the only people. Yeah. What do you want to do? Um. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to seat seven because seat seven should be able to give me some different numbers. Uh, right, you talk to seat seven. Uh, they say still a one. I guess seat eight must be evil. Okay, still a one on seat eight. Maybe seat eight is evil. That's a possibility. No reason not to believe that. Yeah, seat seven says I see no reason not to believe it. Uh, except for the fact that there's a double claim of empath. Seat 7 says, I don't know what Seat 12 is up to. I'm sure they're just... Okie dokie. Hi, you get back to town. In town now is Seat 8, Seat 3, and Seat 12. Let's talk to Seat 8, because we haven't talked to Seat 8 before. Okay, you go and talk to Seat 8. Seat 8 says... I'm the chef. I have a one. A chef with a one, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They say, that's me, the chef with a one. Definitely the chef with a one. Interesting. Um, okay, uh, well, your chef one seems pretty possible, given that there's lots of space for a chef one on the Grim. Have you heard of a recluse? Uh, they say, I have not. Okay. 
Well, that makes it a lot easier to find. Uh, that makes it a lot easier to find Chef Ones, doesn't it? Okay. You go back and it's one nine inch well in there. This will probably be your final conversation for the day. Indeed. Well, let's go ahead and talk to seat one. I don't care what these butlers are doing. They can be butlers. All right. Well, twelve is climbing up. Of course. Yeah. Well, twelve is twelve. We'll deal with twelve. Okay. All right. You talk to seat one. They tell you they're the investigator who saw seat eight or seat five as the poisoner. So with seat five all dead in the night, they'd like to kill seat eight. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that seems fine to me. Kill seat eight. Okay. You saw said poisoner, right? Poisoner. Ooh. The scary, scary poisoner. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fine. This is a preview for the next segment. That's right. Probably killing C-8 is a, is a useful thing to do here, right? Okay. Uh, you get back to town. Uh, C-12 immediately nominates C-7. C-12 says, look, I'm not actually the empath. This is just something I was saying, hoping to draw a kill. But I've talked to C-7 twice now, and that person is lying. I do not believe they're the empath for a second. I don't know what they're up to, but they're not the empath. Uh, Seed 7 gives a fence saying, I've heard of a bunch of things that corroborate my information. Seed 12 is an admitted liar. Let's let me live and get more information when we kill the obviously evil Seed 8. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like what we're probably going to do. There's almost nothing I can say to this town Are at this point. Are you going to vote on the seat seven nomination? Uh, no, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote to kill seat seven. Okay, you do not vote to kill seat seven. Uh, seat three then nominates seat eight and says offered of an empath and an investigative thing on seat eight. They are evil as sin. The Empath information was consistent, even though they're next to the Virgin. Let's kill seat eight. So I'll probably, uh, what I would say is I will probably vote on this, but um, just based on the Grim as it stands, I would be much happier to kill into seat one and seat 12. Okay. Uh, seat nine, listeners and cheer, and says, I picked you again today. Seat three yesterday told you they were going to pick you the entire game. Do you vote? Uh, I'll vote on eight. I'll vote on seat eight. All right. Both of the butlers throw their hands up as soon as they see your hand in the air. Mm -hmm. They just don't care. Of course they don't. Uh, seat eight gets one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine votes as it goes around the circle. I mean, that's clearly an evil player. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Nine votes. Two evil things. Who wouldn't vote on this? Seat 8 is executed and dies. They say, I'm really just the chef, guys. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know even why the storyteller is trying to frame me so far. Yeah, I believe that uh, seat eight's probably the chef. Um, and that seats... At this point, I think seat 7 might actually be the empath who's being poisoned. Um, yeah. That's possible. Another possible world is that the chef is poisoned or the drunk. We also have a drunk to deal with here somewhere, so. Possibly. Hmm. So far, you've heard of one outsider, which is the butler. 
All right. Uh, what are you doing with your protection tonight? No. Uh, we're going to keep it on the virgin because, again, evil's eventually going to have to kill that virgin. Uh, I somewhat love to protect an, another role. So here's the here's the issue. Um, this as soon as I don't protect the virgin, the virgin's probably going to die. And I again have this opportunity. You know, this is this is going to be an opportunity that a lot of monks have to really think about. Can I protect an information role? The player in seat seven is probably not trustworthy. Maybe they're trustworthy. Does their information even help us at this point? Probably not protecting that empath. The player in seat 12, maybe they're the Raven Keeper or the Soldier. They're probably just an evil bluffing those things. Um, again, the butlers, I don't care. I'm just going to protect the confirmed good player, right? Because that's my best chance of getting a protection to actually go off and costing evil anything. Okay. Well, you protect seat 4 when you wake up. Seat 2 is dead. Seat 2 says, I'm the Raven Keeper. I checked seat 11, and I saw that they were, in fact, the Imp. Seat 11 says, I'm not the Imp, I'm just the Recluse, bro. Uh, there's the Recluse. And seat 3 goes, no, because I told you I was the Fortune Teller, so I think you're just the Imp. Seat 5, you mean? Seat 11. No, seat 2 says that. Seat 2, oh, I see. Seat 2 was bluffing Fortune Teller, got it. Yeah. No, I'm really just the reckless. Who else did you know? This is getting loud and obnoxious. I'm not going to recount their entire very Yeah, yeah, it's not worth their time. But you get this. This is a typical good uh, conflict that comes up in town sometimes where people are just sort of screaming at each other, you're evil, no, I'm good, you're evil, no, I'm good. Yeah. Who do you want to talk to? Uh, I'd like to talk to the player in seat six. Seat six. Okay, you go and talk to seat six, and they go, do you want my butler things? I would like to know which of these two is the butler. They keep both they hitting go, me. I'd like to know which one. You're going to hate this, but I saw seat nine and seat three as the butler. Of course you did. <laughs> they, they go, I am pretty unhappy about this. I talked to seat three first. I said, I'm the librarian who saw them as, the, as an outsider. They said, Oh, in that case, I'm the butler. And then later I talked to seat nine and said, I saw you in my outsider ping, but I know you're not an outsider. And they go, yes, I am. I'm the butler. And now I'm just confused. So socially speaking, I, I would at this point think that the evil team is somewhere between seat three, seat one, and seat 12. That's just a that's just a soft social read, but that's the players I would want to kill into today, based on these based on this information in previous conversations. Okay. So uh, that being said, uh, okay, seat six, that sounds great. You died to the virgin. If you're the spy, then you already know my role, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm the monk. I'm protecting the virgin every night. Okay, that night. You can then go back and you can talk to, let's say, seat 12 or seat... Yeah, I really just want to talk three. to seat 12. All right, you talk to seat 12. What's your deal, empath, not empath? They go, I'm just the saint, buddy. Look, here's what's going on with me. I talk to seat 7, and I think they're full of it. 
Every single thing about my con their conversation with them sent the hairs on my back and my neck triggering up. They're not the empath. 100% I would bet my life on the fact that they're not the empath. The funny thing is they immediately knew I wasn't the empath either. Huh. But there's no way that I'm not trying to do misinformation anymore. I'm worried about getting executed. Everyone thinks I'm suspicious, but I'm promising you I'm just the saint. Just the saint, huh? Mm-hmm. Alright, well, good enough for me. Alright, uh, you get back to town, and seat 7 has nominated seat 9, saying, Empath with the 1. Uh, no, I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you what I think is. Let me tell you what I think is going. Let me tell you what I think is going on here, Emma. Uh, I don't think this is a barren game. First of all, even though we have independent claims of three different outsiders and the possibility of a drunk, um, with the double claim of Butler, I don't think it's a barren game. I think. I think a spy has chosen to double claim an outsider is a thing that's happened. Ooh, in which case it... Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. My gut reads are now feeling really off, but uh, it feels like a spy... It feels like a spy has decided to double-claim the butler for reasons that I can't even begin to understand. Maybe they just love being a butler. Maybe they do. blood on the clock time. Jesus. Uh, yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, look, I just want to kill the player in seat one at this point. <laughs> at this point... Right, well, seat seven has nominated seat nine because of the empath one, and voting with them are seat eleven and seat four, and seat three. Do you raise your hand? Seat three is voting. They have their hand up. Seat four is voting on this. You said eleven, three, four, and seven. Three has their hand up, but they're looking at you expectantly. I don't want to... I mean, I do want to kill one of these. I do think we need to kill these outsiders. Because the demon's only in seat 1 or seat 7 if it's not the outsiders. Is the empath information even worth keeping around anymore? Can we just kill the empath? Uh, No, I'm not going to raise my hand on this. Alright, you leave your hand down. And it passes with four votes, because seat three left their hand up. Interesting. Do you want to make a nomination? Yeah, I'll nominate seat seven. All right, what's your accusation? Um, my accusation is, in a world where we have a baron in the game, I've heard of three independent outsiders. Seat seven could be the drunk getting drunk information they could be poisoned so their information could be wrong in both of those ways either way uh we're gonna have to probably kill outsiders at some point but this is a uh player that keeps getting that's had a, that's had one since the beginning of the game i don't believe that seat eight and seat nine are evil together seat three just left their hand up they're not the butler therefore seat nine is probably the butler so we should kill seat seven C3 says, I picked the Virgin. Of course I picked the Virgin. I'm the butler. Their, their ping is wrong. The C3 says, I am the butler. I picked the Virgin. That's what butlers do in this situation. That's a good point. 
I don't have an argument for that, really. <laughs> Whatever. We're not killing seats. We're not getting five votes, anyway. Alright, you failed to get five votes. Yeah, we're never Six moving this. Nine is executed. And dies. You go to sleep. So here's the problem with Monk. Don't have any information. You're entirely limited by the things that Town tells you and you just have to parse that information. And since it's all coming from Emma, it's basically just my social reads on Emma, not actually my social reads on different players. So <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in this game. There's no real way to read it. I still want to kill. I still want to murder. The, I still want to murder the investigator, though, for what it's worth. I really want to kill the investigator. We are just simulating uh, <laughs> the best I can simulate social reads for. No, I'm here. still protecting the virgin. Uh, you protect the virgin. Yeah. I'll probably die before the virgin. For what it's worth. You wake up, and no one has died in the night. Cool. Alright. Alright, Alex, I'm gonna ask you to put your money down, because we've been going for 29 minutes. Who is the evil team? Uh, I currently believe that the evil team... Okay, so, this is what I think. Um, I think that the player in seat one is almost certainly evil. There's almost no chance that the player in seat one is not evil. I think the chef number is a good number, which, if correct, points at the recluse and an evil next to them, or the player in seat one and an evil next to them. I don't believe that if the player in seat 12 is the, is the demon, that the chef number would point to them next to a recluse. Well, they're sat between seat one, who you think is evil, and the recluse. The chef number might not have a choice. The chef number might not have a choice. That's true. They might have to point at a chef one between someone next to a recluse and an investigator. But... Earlier, I thought it was 12, 1, and 3. I think it might be that the chef is the drunk. It's a Baron Poisoner game or a Baron Scarlet Woman game and it's 1, 3, and 7. I don't think I have the information to determine between them. I don't think 8 and 9 were evil together, so 7 is either evil, drunk, or poisoned. 7's information is wrong. I'm going to go uh, seat 1, seat 3, and seat 7 are the evil team. Okay, you and the Virgin, who are both everyone basically thinks are good now because of the monk tech, get together. Which one of them, they say, I'm willing to buy your world of 1, 3, and 7. Who do you think we should kill today? Seven's loud with the empath information. Empath can get them late into the game. Three is doing weird stuff. That's a Baron being silly and double claiming an outsider. Seven is... I don't see a poison anywhere. Seven could be a Scarlet Woman or a spy, maybe? Uh, I'd kill seat one. I think Investigator's the most demony bluff of the three. Alright, well, you push on seat one today with you and the Virgin's help. Um, seat 11 and seat 12 with you. Seat one is executed. And the game doesn't end, but the scenario does. Uh, and we're going to say at this point... Goods win seems pretty inevitable. Nice. Because you just executed the imp. The game didn't end because seat seven was the Scarlet Woman, and seat three 
was the Baron, as you correctly identified. Seat 2 was the Raven Keeper, who pinged off the Recluse in Seat 11. Seat 12 was, in fact, the Saint, who did just get the heebie-jeebies talking to Seat 7. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, seat 9, the real butler, who did vote with you, the person they said they were picking all game. Seat 8, the drunk chef. Drunk chef, yep. Seat 6, the librarian, who saw the Baron and the butler, and the Baron just uh, took a gander, happened to get it right. Seat 5, the fortune teller, you were their red herring, but they did check you with the recluse. And seat 4, of course, the virgin. Yeah, uh, I mean, <clears throat> let's, uh, l- let, me, let me just say, I got it wrong a whole bunch of times before I got it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You participated in the murder of the chef and... So that's not really, yeah, just the chef. You have to be open to changing your worldviews as the game progresses, especially as a character that doesn't get direct information. It's really crucial. And you can do this as an outsider, too, right? This is how outsiders really have to play. You have to open your mind to a whole lot of different worlds. And then as the game progresses, you have to eliminate individual worlds. I pegged seat one as evil pretty early, thought they might be evil with seat 12 because of the chef info. The recluse coming out makes that seem less less likely because it really hurts evil to show that. Obviously, if you have to, you have to. Um, Barons sometimes get into double claims with other outsiders. It's a silly thing that they do. I don't know why they do it, but it's a thing that they do that Emma and I both dislike. I will, I promise you all, I promise you all, we will do a Baron episode, and I will show you all how to Baron properly at some point in the future. But, it's on the docket. But, uh, Empath Bluff is middling for a Scarlet Woman, I would say, and the Scarlet Woman was too aggressive about pushing those empath ones. That's too 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 much information for an empath to catch that. The chef one was in that, which means the chef had to be evil. Just doesn't just didn't just didn't fly for me. So you have to be willing to change what you think as the game progresses. If you get stuck on one world, if you what's the word Patters likes to use? If you tunnel on uh, on one world uh, for too long, right? Um, you can get trapped and ultimately be unable to solve the game, right? Which you're already going to struggle to do with a lack of information because your role doesn't provide it, right? Here, the monk did exactly what it says on the tin: protect the virgin until you or the you or or protect the virgin until you die or until you run out of room. Um, for other other players to be evil, which is exactly what we did here. We narrowed it down to a probable barren world, and then we just found the other two people who weren't outsiders. Yeah. Uh, the bluffs, of course, were investigator, empath, and soldier, which is how they knew that the fortune teller was lying yep. Another great way to use your bluffs, evil team, right? Know where the good players who are bluffing are. Mm-hmm. And since they weren't using the soldier bluff anyway, it wasn't even like it was a could be traced back to them. Yep, it was the one they dropped. Easy, easy information. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed doing that. A little bit of monkeying around. <laughs> that was cool. It's not an organ grinder episode. It's going to be real hard for us to figure out how to do an organ grinder episode, but we will eventually we'll do figure it. out how to do it. <laughs> that's not what we're going to do at. Uh, that's not what we're going to do in Vegas, though, Emma. I mean, we have our plans for Vegas, which we're not going to tell you yet. We're not telling you we're yet. Going it's going to tease you. It's exciting, though, isn't it? We're very excited yeah. about it. There are so many things that we could be in Vegas. So which many knows things. Yep. What we are. Well, the uh, the player in seat ten really enjoyed that uh, that particular game. And uh, before we sign off for the for the first segment, I, I wanted to just throw out a quick thanks to 
uh, Navian and Demeda from the Connecticut Blood on the Clock Tower stream. They had us on uh, the stream to guest storytell this past Friday. Uh, it was a real fun time. We had a blast. We even wrote a uh, we wrote a script to run called A Grim Scenario, uh, which uh, hopefully everybody had a good time playing. It was a very interesting game. Not sure if it would make an interesting episode, Emma, but uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of social play. So yeah, the the script is based off the first six episodes of Grim Scenarios, hence its name. And a few things we intend to do in the future. So if you're looking for, if you're looking for some clues, yeah, you know, they might. They I might will be say, there. one of the character scenarios for Planning for Vegas is on a grim scenario. So that's true. That's very true. We put it on there on purpose. All right, Kim, we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving. So thanks thanks again to our editor Kim as well for keeping us for keeping us looking good and sounding good. Uh, she has now been paid in coffee. <laughs> she has been paid in coffee and Shakespeare. So uh, maybe maybe they can still hear us. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll keep talking at some point. <laughs> All right. Let's break. go to the second one. All right, friends. Well, Milk is setting up the next scenario. I have an excited announcement to make with you, which is that this Sunday at noon Eastern, Tickets for Clock Tower Con 2024 are going on sale. This convention will happen in the District of Columbia at the Hilton McLean's Tysons, which is just outside the city proper. And this Sunday at noon Eastern, you can go and get early bird badges for a slight discount. Once those run out, those are gone and you'll have to pay full price. There's going to be weekend badges, daily badges, VIP badges, and something called a VIP Toymaker badge. Not 100% sure what those are, but I'm sure they're exciting. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun and exciting things for you two, including special guest Ben Burns from the Pandemonium Institute, special guest Ed Gabriel from the Pandemonium Institute, two more special guests that we don't know about yet, more special events, more panels, more board games, more social deduction games, more friends to make, and more games of Blood on the Clock Tower. Now this is going to be between April 12th and 14th, 2024, and there's going to be a special event or two if you show up early on Thursday night as well. Anyway, I went to this last year. It was a blast. I'm incredibly looking forward to going again this year. I really do hope to see you there. So go get your early bird badge today. Or not today. Get it on Sunday when they go live. Not today. That'd be crazy. Anyway, you can buy them at www.clocktowercon.com. And also, next week on Grim Scenarios, we're going to you can get a free badge, courtesy of Grim Scenarios and East Coast Gamers. Anyway, we'll get back to the scenarios now. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are, hanging out in the laboratory, and uh, Emma is going to be the poisoner for this next scenario. And that's why we're in the laboratory, because that's where you manufacture your poisons. That's right. Only on Wednesdays, though, Emma. Only on Wednesdays. <laughs> Only on Wednesdays. Anyway. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk a little about the poisoner. Yeah. Poisoner. Each night, choose a player. They are poisoned tonight and tomorrow day. Very powerful. Very powerful. Uh, the tomorrow day part doesn't mean all that much on Trouble Three. There's only three characters the tomorrow day part affects. That's the mayor, the saint, which is unfortunate for the evening. Or four, actually. The virgin and the slayer. Those yeah, are the virgin. four characters whose abilities have some interaction with the day phase that the poisoner can interfere with. Most of the times, of course, you 
don't want to poison a saint. Uh, there is there is often a question about the butler as well, Emma. Um, the butler, if poisoned, still has to follow the rules because there's no way for them to confirm whether or not they're poisoned. So a player who is playing the butler, even if they suspect for some reason that they're poisoned, must still follow the rules and only vote with their master. And this is a general part of Blood of the Clock Tower that I see sometimes players try to mess with and they shouldn't be. Um, there is no form of poisoning or drunkenness that's meant to be confirmable to the player who is supposedly poisoned. Right. There's always supposed to be some uncertainty there. Now, there's things you can meta pretty successfully. If you're the fool who's executed on day one of VMR and you die, you're probably poisoned or drunk. Probably. <laughs> but you should never be at... But like, if your role has some sort of mechanical interaction with poisonous, with drunkenness, um that would allow you to do something differently than you only could, you should never be doing that. When, the, like, then this, what this means, like, in practical purposes, is the butler still has to vote with their master. Even if, like, someone said, hey, I'm the poisoner who poisoned you. Um, there's some other things that get my code calling, but they're not really TB relevant. But I will just say, if you're gonna annoy me by testing the sailor on a Rudon, do not even further complicate annoying me by then fuck than trying to vote to see if you've successfully jumped the wheel. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> second of all, it's cheating. <laughs> yeah. Don't cheat, everybody. That's the important part of the story. The storyteller's not going to cheat. The storyteller's going to follow the rules to the best of their ability in every situation. And even though even though they can't necessarily punish you if you're the butler and you cheat, don't cheat. Play the yeah, game. Yeah, and like, I, I, like if you're bundling and I'll, I notice you're bundling with your master, I may bring you aside and be like, hey, you know, I saw you vote without your master. It's probably a mistake. It's hard first to learn. If you keep doing it, you're probably not being invited back to my games. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just it's just part of the social contract of play that we all engage in, right? Yep, it's the same thing as opening your eyes at night in live play. Even if you think the storyteller can't see you, don't do it. Don't be bad. Exactly. Don't cheat. All right, back to the poisoner. The poisoner. So the poisoner is interesting. Um. The Poisoner has the most powerful effects on Turbo Brewing are in Night 1, but unfortunately the Poisoner does not know anything in Night 1, and does not know if it hits one of its juicy targets. The juicy targets, of course, being the washerwoman, the librarian, investigated the chef, and to a slightly lesser degree, the empath. And I only say slightly lesser degree with the empath, because if the empath only... You do love hitting the empath Night 1, but it's not quite as good as hitting one of those Night 1 infos, where, like, you've just basically one for one to them out of the game. Um, of course, that's all random. On other nights, the and of course the Virgin is also there as something that is a great mechanism, but these are all random. But you do not shot. On other nights, your pickings get slimmer. There's four townsfolk on Trouble Rune who you really don't care about poisoning. The outsiders, you don't care about poisoning. Unless, in some very weird circumstances, you could get a social benefit from poisoning and executing the saint, but when you realized that you got that social benefit from poisoning and executing the saint, you could have just won the game had you not poisoned the saint. Yeah. <laughs> so there's four townsfolk, generally a fifth because the virgin will probably go off, four outsiders. So that's nine of the 17, out of the 17 good players on Trevor who you don't really care about poisoning after night. You don't really care about you also don't really care about poisoning the mayor or the soldier unless they're going to get targeted. Same with the Raven Keeper. 
Yeah, and I don't particularly care about poisoning the Raven Keeper unless they're being targeted in the late game. Like an early yeah. game Raven Keeper, I'd rather use my poison on one of the where we're going to get to, what I consider the big three poisoning targets. That's right. And let the demon kill the Raven Keeper and hope that the Raven Keeper picks a good player. What about Slayer? Do you think Slayer is a good poisoning, Emma? Yeah, Slayer is good poisoning. So Slayer, so I guess it's a big four target. The big four targets are the Empath, the Fortune Teller, the Undertaker, and the Slayer. Those are the characters you want to be poisoning during the mid game. Though, with the Slayer, if you poison the Slayer and they shoot your demon, your demon should probably start best. And the reason for that is because if someone's confirmed not the demon and they're not dying, something weird has happened. So if you poison the Slayer and your demon survives the Slayer shot because of your poisoning, probably nudge your demon into star passing at some point because uh, that's no good. Depends on how late in the game it is, and depends on what other things are confirmed, but generally speaking, you don't want to be around as a as a confirmed imp. If, if like, my demon is slayer shot by the poison slayer on five, and they don't start passing me that night, I'm going to be very disappointed in them, because we're going to wake up on three, and I wanted, and I don't want the slayer shot demon to not be the kill in the night, because that's just weird. Agreed. Agreed. All right, well, uh, with that in mind, shall we go take a look at the Grim? Absolutely. All right, Emma, you are the Poisoner in Seat 12. On night one, Storyteller comes to visit you and tells you that your demon is your neighbor in Seat 11. Okay. Uh, They're, of course, the Imp, because this is Blood on the Clock Tower, and we're playing Trouble Brewing. And uh, your fellow minion is over in seat three. I'm going to mark this for the folks at home. You may get a chance to find out what they actually are. Okay. So, uh, with that in mind, Emma, uh, the storyteller tells you who your team is, and then uh, goes away for a moment, and then returns and says, Well, Emma, it's night one. Who are you going to poison? Please select a player. How do we make this decision? It's mostly random. Like, there's there's an argument for sitting poisoning seat 10, but it's really not that, like... What's the argument? The argument is that if it happens to be an empath out next to your demon, you want to poison that. People can meta that, though. I'm really not going to shoot for that unless it's a good player sat between two evils. I'm just going to hit random and hit it. Like, there's, like I said... There's four characters I really want to hit. That's Washington, Librarian, Investigator, Chef. Two more characters, Empath, Virgin, I kind of want to hit. But I have literally no information to tell me where any of them are, except for they're not seat 11, seat 12, and seat 3. So, realistically, um, if this is a group I play with regularly, I'm probably picking my poison as a gift to the player. Interesting. <laughs> and what do you mean by that, Emma? I mean, you know... If it's a player who I know is going to trust their information hard, maybe give them a little dose of the poison night one. Uh, if it's a player that I think is going to be skeptical of their information anyway, they don't need the night one poison. Uh, if it's a player who, you know, has annoyed me recently, they might get poisoned. You know, <laughs> all these things might explain night one poisons. If Milk is in this game, he might get poisoned. <laughs> if it's a player who I respect a lot, they might get poisoned, just because 
when you turn a player you respect a lot, uh, information arbitrary, sometimes that can help you beat them. It's true. All of that is true. But, unfortunately, I don't know much about seat 1, seat 8, seat 6, seat 5. They're lovely people, but I just keep forgetting all the biographical details I remember them from all the other games I've played. So instead, I'm just going to poison my favorite number, which is seat 4. You're going to poison seat 4. We're going to put the poison token on seat 4 there. Because 4. All right, you poison, uh, you poison seat four, and the storyteller says thank you, and puts you back to sleep. The other fun thing to do, of course, is poison your other minion of the Hope Star Spy, so they get a fake boom. It's hilarious. <laughs> Not hilarious. Not hilarious. <laughs> I have I have received a fake grim before. It is not as funny as you'd think. It was objectively hilarious when I sent you a fake. It was very funny. <laughs> we'll share. We'll maybe we'll share the details of that some other time. But uh, for now, uh, you wake up the following morning, Emma, and I'm going to give you free reign over this town. You can talk to three people today, any three people you would like. I'm going to start by talking to seat. You're going to start by talking to seat three. Mm-hmm. Seat three is your fellow minion who tells you that they are the Scarlet Woman. That's what I had in mind. The reason I asked it is just because it's a spy. Mm-hmm. Yep. The spy is very helpful for the poisoner, of course, because they can tell you who the best choices of poison target are. Yeah, I didn't expect the spy to be this just in the memory of the scenario that said the next poisoner born when the spy's there. But, you know, you should cross your eyes and dot your keys. You're a poisoner. Catching up with the spy is probably good, especially since I'm sat next to the demon. It's pretty easy for us to coordinate things. Um... That's fair enough. Uh, all right. Well, the player in C three asks you if you're gonna pick a particular bluff. They don't know the bluffs yet because neither of you talked to the demon. Yeah, I didn't know where to the bluff. Just so that the two of you don't start claiming the same things, what sort of thing are you thinking about claiming? Uh, I'm thinking of going outsider. Uh, I know that there's exactly two outsiders in play. Um, one of them might be a drunk, which means there's only one outsider in play that knows they're an outsider. Like. I'm probably just going to soft claim outside and see what happens. I may hard claim Reckless or Butler. People would be very suspicious of me in particular as a player. I started hard claim insane. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> but enough. That's my rough claim. All right, the player in seat three says, okay, uh, I'll probably just claim some powerful townsfolk roles and see what happens. All right, so you go back to town, and uh, again, uh, everybody comes back to town at the same time. It's crazy how, how coordinated this town is. You have your pick of two more conversations. Let's talk to... doesn't really matter. Let's talk to seat eight. Let's see what's up with seat eight. Uh, okay, you talk to seat eight. Um, seat eight says, uh, yeah, I'm the um, I'm the undertaker. Uh, yeah, I don't have any information to give you yet. Yeah, that's how the undertaker works. I say, I'm an outsider. Oh, really? Uh, which one are you? Mm. I say, I am an outsider. I don't believe your claim, so I'm not going to give you my actual claim. Uh, okay. Because uh, I've heard I've heard of an outsider. Ooh, I say, interesting. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, I, I heard of a recluse. Oh, recluse. Super. Yeah. Who are you? Okay. Interesting. All right, bye. All right. 
that was a weird ass conversation. That's probably the recluse. Really? Why do you think that player is the recluse? Uh, they seemed very weird with the fact that I was playing the outsider and they wanted to confirm I wasn't the outsider, and also they lied to me. They're not being that. Okay, fair enough. All right. Let me talk to seat four. You want to talk to seat four? All right. Yeah, I poisoned them. May as well talk to them. Yeah. Oh, hey. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Just kind of telling everybody uh, what I'm actually. I'm looking for a virgin. Uh, I'm the I'm the librarian. I saw Saint. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I should say uh, where I saw the Saint or not. Okay. I say, uh, well, I'm also an outsider, but definitely not the saint. Not the saint. Okay, cool. I'll mark you as, uh, I'll mark you as not the saint. Uh, I'll mark you as an outsider, yeah. Okay, I say, uh, who was in your paint if I don't mind you asking? Uh, seat 11 and seat 3. Mm-hmm. Okay, I say, cool. All right. Bye. Alright, when we get back to Town Square, um, at some point I surreptitiously lean over to my imp and do some role exchanging with them. Sure. Or in the online app, I send them some text messages. Yeah, so the the imp whispers the imp whispers over to you that they're going to claim, that right now they're planning to claim Investigator, um, but that Fortune Teller and Saint are other bluffs. I tell them they should claim Saint that has been seen by a librarian as such. They say okay. And the librarian was poisoned. They say okay. And no one seems to have noticed the two of you whispering today. Okay. All right. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, nominations come around. Um, and the player in seat four uh, publicly uh, publicly uh, says that they're willing to nominate a virgin. Uh, no virgins step up to be nominated. The player in seat nine nominates the player in seat 10. And the accusation is, uh, I've heard of a ping. Oh, well, then this impact thing. All right. Uh, so, uh, the uh, you and uh, the player in seat three, along with some other people, uh, vote on this, and it gets six votes, including the player in seat nine uh, and some other players around the grim. Uh, yeah, Town executes a player in seat 10 uh, for being in a ping. Uh, and then everybody goes to sleep. And as the poisoner, Emma, you get to act first. Well, and I'm poisoning maybe. seat 9. You're poisoning seat 9. And why are you poisoning seat 9, Emma? Uh, investigator and Fortune Hill are blocked. The ping is an impact ping. Seat 9 is sat next to the recluse in seat 8. Uh, seat... 10, so they got a 1 on seats. Their neighbor's seats, 10 and seats, 8. Uh, there's no other evil things because Investigator and Fortune Tell Bluffs, as you said. So seat 9 is an empath. They're almost certainly a sober and healthy empath because they got true information on the recluse. Uh, they're getting a steady diet of poison until I die because they're sat dangerously close to my end. That's a fair point. Where they die. Now here's the question, here's the question uh, I'll ask you. As an experienced storyteller, what number do you think the player in seat nine, if they are in fact the empath, is going to get tonight? Having oh, been seated zero. next to the recluse and the imp at this point. I'm still giving them a zero. I'm never giving a positive integer on the head. 
you never give a positive integer on the imp from a poisoned player. Yeah, um, if I can avoid it, I'm not going to do it. If the information looks weird, maybe it's because the recluse isn't the recluse. Like... The recluse could be the poisoner, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, you poison the player in seat 9, and that night, the player in seat 5 dies. Okay. You wake up the following morning, and you can talk to three players. Who would you like to talk to today? Oh, I already know seat nine is the impact. I'm already pretty sure seat eight's the recluse. Let's talk to seat seven. You go and talk to seat seven. Seat seven claims to be the fortune teller and says that they have a no on you. I said, fun. Because I'm the fortune teller with a no on you. So what do you actually? I'm pivoting off the butler bluff here. All right. Why are you pivoting off the butler bluff? Uh, I don't need it. Um, it's a bit risky if there's a real butler in play. Um, my demon is bluffing outsider at my instruction now because I know they are seen by the librarian in the ping. Um, and it's perfectly plausible that someone who's a fortune teller would hide behind an outsider. Play, so... Fair enough, fair None enough. This looks weird, and seat seven is lying to me, and I don't care, but I disdain these lies. I want to tell me the truth. Seat seven tells you, says, are you actually the fortune teller? I said, yes, and that's why I know you're lying, so if you don't tell me the truth, I'm going to push on your execution. I'm the soldier, and uh, I wanted to try to draw a kill from the imp. And I said, that's a fair enough reason to claim fortune teller. But people might see through that. I might claim something a little more subtle. I've already been claiming fortune teller to a lot of people, so I'll have to think about that. Okay. All right. I will. Everyone, I assume, gets back at the exact same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to seat ten. You want to talk to seat ten? Yeah, they're All dead. Right. Got to include the dead. Seat ten says, "I don't really trust." I don't really trust the player in seat eight. Um, I was the Raven Keeper, and I got murked uh, off of that nomination. I said, "Yeah, seat eight told me they were the told me something that I didn't believe. It was they were shifty about how they went about it." All right. Well, I'm Undertaker confirmed, so um, I think we should push on seat eight. Oh, you're Undertaker confirmed. I said. Yeah, I've been confirmed by the Undertaker. I say, well, that's fascinating, because Seat 8 told me they were the Undertaker. Yeah, Seat 8's not the Undertaker. I say, yeah, let's kill, let's kill them. They're pretty clearly just running through town, filling with lies. All right. Uh, you got one more. Uh, I will talk to Seat 6. All right, you go and talk to Seat 6. Seat 6 says, yeah, uh, I'm just the butler. Uh, I don't really know. It's just this, you know, what am I going to do? I tell seat six I was doing some butler implications yesterday, but that's just because that's me. It's my favorite role. I like to do it. Mm. All right. Well, fair enough. That's that's fine. Not the butler. I told one person the real truth. They know who they are. And you go back to town. What's the what's the plan for today, Emma? Oh, I really want to execute seat eight. Oh yeah. 
Well, I think you can probably successfully push on and kill the player in seat eight uh, quite easily, considering that many of the other players around town are currently interested in doing so. Uh, framing up the recluse very nicely, who uh, on that night will almost certainly appear as the poisoner to the undertaker. We've we've gone pretty we've gone pretty reasonably well far in this in this one, and we're we're about an hour in, so I think we'll we'll hold it up here. But um, where do you think you intend to put your poisoning for the rest of the game? Because if the player in seat eight is killed, uh, you do have some options. Yeah, uh, so I'm gonna do one more point of poison seat nine. Mm-hmm. Try to load up that empath zero on my demon. Um, I assume my demon has correctly deduced seat nine as the empath. They may kill them in the night. Yeah, they may kill them in the night. I hope they don't. Um, there's, because seat, either seat one or seat two is the undertaker. Not interested in poisoning the undertaker. They're already being poisoned by the recluse tonight. I haven't talked to the other one. They're the Slayer. That's great if they're not. doesn't matter. I'd like to see nine to get one more good information. Uh, then we can kill them. We can poison kill the soldier in seat seven and let them get a one on the butler. Yep. One of the big benefits of being seated next to your demon is the ability to whisper to them in a real game and coordinate all of this stuff. If you weren't next to your demon, it would be a lot harder to coordinate. You'd have to actually go and talk to them throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I think we should mention about Poisoner as well, Emma, which we didn't touch on here specifically, but in how much it requires you to coordinate. You really do want to be working with your demons so that your poisons aren't sniped off by kills. And I'm going to send text whispers to my demon, suggesting let's leave the Empath alive, they're going to be poisoned again tonight, zero on you, you can poison kill the soldier the day after. And let them get a one on someone else. Yeah, and that seems like the, the, the way to frame it. You can always frame up the Scarlet Woman at the end of the game, right? You can always frame up the one of the players in seat one or two. Um, you do need to get you do need to get the suspicion away from your imp at very least. The player in seat one was uh, just to just to finish it out. The player in seat one was the washerwoman who was confirming uh, who was confirming the soldier in seat seven, and the player in seat two was of course your undertaker who was seeing all these things. The player in C5 is a chef with a one. That's going to come out later and cause some minor difficulties for your team, but we're not going to play this scenario quite that far to need to run into that problem. There's plenty of chef ones over there on the other side. With the C1, C2, C3, C6 and 7, to a degree, C3 and 4. And you resolve much of this grim quite easily. The first two or three poisonings are what's going to count the most in your games of trouble brewing. Um, you might need to poison a soldier late. You might really get forced into poisoning a raving keeper late, potentially. You might get forced into poisoning a mayor in final three. I thought about doing a mayor final three poisoner kind of situation here, but it's not that interesting. It's not that interesting. You just, if you're the poisoner who's alive in final three, you poison the one that's not your demon. Yeah. You know your demon is going to kill, and you poison the other one. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the reality is it's the early game poisonings and trouble brewing that make a huge difference. Um, mid-game, you know, mid-game to some extent. This ended up being a pretty fun example of, like, just how much luck is involved. I picked four because it's literally my favorite number. And yep. four happened to be the librarian. And that gets my demon seen as the saint. I'm able to pass that information to my demon pretty surreptitiously. 
my demons confronted by a librarian who they're not sat next to. It's pretty good deals. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, we, we talk quite a lot about not making random choices, about using your agency to try to um, select what happens with your ability. But in some situations, right, first day as a poisoner, first day as any any role that sort of chooses, you don't have information. You're just going to pick randomly, and sometimes you're going to get lucky. Mm -hmm. And the storyteller is going to help you if they can. Like I said, like, you know, the thing is, maybe on day one, you poison one of the demon's neighbors to empath garden. But the fact of the matter is, and this is a medical on storytellers, a lot of times storytellers are going to get scared when they see an empath next to the demon and put the drunk token right on that empath. I don't, and you don't, but some people do. Especially newer storytellers. Yeah, so like, I'm not saying don't do that, I'm saying there's not really a difference between that and being fully random with your night one poison. After that, you want to be targeted. You want to go out and get your information. You want to listen to what people are saying in town. You want to look at what your bluffs are. You want to make sense of this. Like, this empath mentioned a vague pain. Cool. Like, the weird conversation with the Undertaker, the empath mentioning the pain, the bluffs, that empath is getting nothing but poisoned information the entire time. Unless I choose to let them get them sober information. And I want to stress something else, which I think we've both kind of touched on in the past uh, on the podcast, but we've never kind of explicitly said it. Um, and it's something that a number of people who I've talked to about Grim Scenarios have mentioned to me, which is what we have been pointing out in a lot of cases is how much attention you should be paying to what other people are saying during their accusations, during the town square phase, right? During the day, listen to what people are saying. Listen to what they're not saying. Um, players will out information sometimes that they don't intend to out. And if you're not paying attention or you're kind of detached or distracted or not listening, you might miss little cues like that. I've heard of a ping. Well, how did you hear of a ping? Where did the ping come from? What pings are available on this script? If there's only one or two pings available on the script, you know, might might give you a sense of what that player's role is. A lot of players like to say that they've heard of a ping when that ping is in fact their own information. Here, the recluse in seed eight claiming to have heard of a recluse, right? Just makes them sound like the recluse. So just be aware of what other people are saying and, you know, to another extent, what you're saying because of how it gives away information. Yeah, that is a big deal. Like, this is a game where... What I especially love about playing this game in person. Um, I'm more known from the online community. Uh, is... When you're playing this game in person, you like the distractions just go away. Like they're gone. Your phone's away, your computer's not there, your everything is gone. And you're just in the moment listening to what people say. Ryback and Mullabach aren't, you know, heckling you and your DMs, things like that. They're heckling you in person probably. <laughs> <laughs> but like the details that people don't know they're giving up. The are the keys to this game. Yeah. And the details people know they're giving away, those are also interesting. Why people are trying to share things with you is interesting. Like, I bullied the soldier to go tell me they were the soldier. That was great. Yeah, that was really strong. You know, and that's a play that can happen. Uh, you see it happen all the time. I do it all the time. 
you know, you do it all the time. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Another, another uh, fun, another fun thing that uh, this particular, uh, this particular grim or this particular scenario kind of reminded me of is, um, pay attention to when the storyteller's trying to help you. <laughs> you know, pay attention to what the storyteller has done to help your team. Right. In this case, you got the librarian to tell you where the Saint Ping was, and it's between two evil players. I mean, like I could have guessed that. Like if I'm working with the storyteller, I know they know that I'm not going to take the Saint Ping, so they're not going to put that thing on me. But if they, if I poison the librarian, and my demon god is an outsider bluff, they're certainly shoving it on there. Like. It's either going to be a drunk or a saint thing. Because even a drunk thing on an evil player is worth more than a drunk thing. You can put a drunk thing on a poison and a good player, but you, I would prefer to put an evil player because drunk things are good. They're so good. Yeah, a drunk ping is another thing that librarians who are poisoned get, but um, I, I thought it was funnier this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much us for this week, Emma. We've kind of kind of covered a lot. Yeah, we did. We looked at the moat and the poisoner this return trouble road. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week. We're sort of doing this a little more fly the pants. My guess, based off just on what we've done, we're going to probably go back to Vimor to hit some more interesting characters there. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a thing we should probably do. And then we'll probably look at a custom. Yeah, and that will make episode 10 our first custom episode, which is like a nice round number. And nice know, just appeal to people. That's right. We love round things. We love clocks, which are round. Time, which goes in circles, which is why clocks are round. Tokens are round. Anyway, my friends, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. I know I will on this Wednesday when I'm saying this. And may your scenarios be good this week. Bye.